Hello, this is Season 1, Episode 7. In this episode, I'll be sharing the other assets that you have available that can add great value to your home at no cost to you. It's simply about knowing what they are and choosing them first in your design. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. of designing for new homes or for a renovation is about unlocking what's possible. It's about understanding the potential for your home and your land and then enhancing it, about realising the potential of the natural assets and enhancing what's already freely available. Bringing these natural assets to the fore so that they can make your home and your land really enjoyable, which in turn enhances the quality of your everyday life. And I'm not just talking about rural locations that might have beautiful views and rolling landscapes. I'm talking about even the most urban and dense locations of homes. They still have assets that you can make the most of to really make a difference in how your home feels and how you feel in it. So what are these natural assets for your home and your land and how can you maximise them as an asset or minimise them if they're a drawback? Whether you're building or renovating, they're fairly consistent and when thinking about natural assets, there may be many that are specific to your place. However, generally when it comes to most sites and homes, this, these are the ones that I'm referring to. So there's sunlight, there's shade, there's breezes, landscape, views and privacy. So these are things that all can and do exist naturally in a home and site and not all designs make the most of them or do them well. In fact if you're renovating or building it may be because your current home is far from making the most of these assets. So let's first look at what each of them are and then we'll look at how to think about them for the design of your home. Remember, so much of our time together on this podcast is really about helping you become a design detective in your project so that you can notice and you can collect information and ideas for things that will suit you, your home, your budget and your life. So let's go through these assets one by one to see what I'm talking about and how to get it right for your home. Number one and number two are sunlight and shade. Now, I've already covered these in depth in the previous episodes in this season. This is where you work out what the orientation of your home is, and then you understand how the sun moves across your site and your home throughout the year. Because then you can create a design that responds to this, that locates rooms in the best place for their orientation. Then design your windows, uh, your glass windows and your doors to make the most of the sunlight for those spaces. And then you can use shading devices such as eaves or awnings or screens or external blinds to shade your home at specific times of the day and of the year. You can use sunlight and shade in combination to dramatically impact how your home feels to be in and also how you feel in your home. You know, starting with sunlight and shade, it's why I put the two of them first. This seriously is, it's a great first step for you getting your design right. Next is breezes. 
And this is where we start thinking about how we can naturally ventilate our homes. And this helps us keep cooling and heating costs down. And it also helps our homes feel great too. It's the strangest thing for our modern homes and lifestyles. We have all of these fresh air systems that we can actually buy. So they might be plug-in deodorizers or candles or demisters or those types of things, or they could be much higher cost and more intrusive mechanical systems such as air conditioning or air filtration systems. However, it is possible to get your home working so that simply by opening doors and windows, you can get breezes flowing through your home. And that is by far and away the best and the cheapest free air system that you can install. In Australia, the Bureau of Meteorology has wind roses for most locations around Australia. And the Your Home website that I mentioned in the last episode, it can also help you with information about warming and cooling breezes for your climate and for your location. And if you're somewhere else in the world, there will be online resources to help you find wind roses for your location and for where different breezes come from at different times of the year. But I want you to have a think about the design for your new home or renovation in a few different ways, okay? So firstly, start thinking about where do the cooling breezes normally come from, particularly in summer? And where do the warming breezes come from, particularly in winter? Where do big storms come from? You know, where do they generally arrive from? And where where are those really harsh, cold winter winds that you want to protect yourself from as well? Understanding the direction of these and how they relate to your home can really help you start to understand how to size and shape the windows and door openings in your home to either shelter them or to open it up to great breezes. Another thing to start thinking about is whether you can actually change the air temperature before it enters your home. So I spoke a bit in the episode where we talked about westerly orientation and western sun, that when you think about creating your outdoor areas, can you shade them with blinds or screens on their outer edge or even with the eaves and the overhangs that you use? Because when you create these shaded zones around the edges of your home, this will help you cool those winter breezes, uh, sorry, the summer breezes before you actually bring them into your home, okay? And this works This works not just with big outdoor areas, but also with eaves and other areas around your home. So how can you actually lower the air temperature in summer immediately outside of your home before you start bringing it inside your home? It's also worth remembering that hot air always rises and so if you can create high level openings in your home that gives that hot air somewhere to go and that draws those breezes through your home then you'll be left with the cool air that's at the lower level where you are and that can really change how your interiors feel. For each room that you have in your house, see if it's possible to have operable windows on two opposing walls, so windows that you can open, or even on adjacent walls, because this can help promote cross-ventilation by drawing breezes through a room. Look also at the overall floor plan of your home and how it's laid out. Is it possible to open up each end and to provide a clear pathway, say, along the hallway or the main circulation path that will then enable you to draw breezes through your home? You can also include ceiling fans in rooms as a low-cost way to assist moving air around. And I see a lot of homeowners who live in much more humid and warmer climates adding those uh, ceiling fans to their outdoor rooms as well. Another asset of your site is the landscape. So this is the natural topography or slope of the land and it's also the natural vegetation and planting both on and beyond the site. 
This information can be quite crucial to actually setting a framework for your design approach. So some of this information will help you understand the requirements for construction on your site. Soil conditions, for example, will play a role in the type and cost of your footings and your foundations and the type of structural engineering that you require. Some of this information will also help you understand how to best lay out your home. So will it be able to all be on one level, for example? Or if you have a sloping site and you want to connect with it, will you need to step your home in order to do that because of the way that your landscape is? Will you actually need to change your site's topography to build or renovate on it? You know, and will that bring out costs in excavation and in retaining? And will you want to remove specific trees or vegetation to create your new home or renovation? In fact, can you even do that? Because some vegetation is actually protected in certain locations. And so it's worth finding this out for your property. It's also worth noting what water does on your property. You know, if you have a big storm, does water get away quickly? Or does it pool and pond in certain locations? Does it make your site muddy? You know, what does the soil do in terms of holding water? And what will you need to do to manage that in any renovation or building work and construction? And also in the long-term safety and performance of your home overall. As well as collecting this base information about how you'll have to deal with your landscape, you can also think about how to optimise it. And often this can happen in really surprising ways. There's a beautiful home that you may be really familiar with called Falling Water. It's designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. It was actually finished in 1939 and it was built at a place called Bear Run in Pennsylvania for the Kaufman family. The Kaufman family, they owned a successful department store in Pittsburgh and like many people who lived in Pittsburgh, they used to escape to Bear Run to go camping or hiking or just enjoy the outdoors. And the Kaufmans even had a little cabin there. And when they decided that they wanted to build a new home, they found this site that looked at a waterfall that they used to picnic near all the time and then they chose Frank Lloyd Wright as their architect and they commissioned him. And the story goes that when they were first presented with their design, they were absolutely shocked because they had expected Wright to locate the home on the site opposite the waterfall where they used to have their picnics, where they'd actually have a view of the waterfall all the time. Instead, Wright had actually located the home on top of the waterfall. He had wanted them to hear that waterfall and that water moving every single day and to have it be part of their experience in the home. And in fact, he'd used the idea of the waterfall to inform the actual design and the form of the design. So the levels of the home, they actually terrace down over the waterfall. And if you've seen it, you'll see that the home actually rotates around a core and it steps down to the waterfall. And there's at the very lowest floor, there's even sort of this opening and hatch in the floor where there's a little ladder that goes down to the topmost pool of water in the waterfall so that you can get down and have a dip in the waterfall. This was a totally different way of looking at the assets of the site's landscape. It was surprising and it was unexpected. But if you've seen this home or you've had the good fortune to visit it, you'll know that it was actually the perfect solution. It's dramatic and it's a great example of how to make the most of your landscape as an asset for your home. I visited this home when I was about 26 years old and it literally took my breath away. And I dragged a bunch of travel mates who weren't architects there, got put them all in a car and said, come on, we've got to go and see this house. And they were also equally amazed by it. 
So what ways can you look at your landscape to make it an asset for your home? Now, you may not have a waterfall to look at or rolling green hills or anything like that, but I guarantee that you'll have something special that you can bring into your home or that you can create something special that you can bring into your home. Even if you're on a flat suburban block, it's a fantastic blank canvas for you to introduce a landscape to that can really add value to your experience of your home. Now the next item follows on from this and that's views. Every home has views. It's just that those views can be great or not so great and they can even be totally horrible and those views can be far reaching or they can just be into your own site. Now this is the thing, one of the big ways to create spaciousness in your home is to extend the views within your home to well beyond it. So I'll be talking about this in much more detail in the last episode of this season. Now, what views are available from your home and your site? And are these views great and should they be optimised? Or are they not so great and they should be restricted or even blocked from your home? What can you do with the location of your glass windows and doors in your home to change your view from it? What surprising views can you add as well? You know, your view doesn't always have to be out at eye level. You can shape the views out of your home in really surprising and delightful ways, and that can really change the experience of your home. It might be that you give a low-level view at floor level out into a garden or landscaping beside your home, or it could be that there's a high view out looking up into sky as you walk up your stairs. Can you frame your view like it's a picture hanging on a wall rather than it being an all kind of in-your-face, overwhelming kind of smack-bang, here's the view all glass sort of experience. What views out of your home also help you keep an eye on the street and on visitors coming up to your front door so that you can feel safe and secure and always see who's approaching? And how can you play with the way that your home connects with these views to really change the experience that you have in your home on an everyday basis? Lastly, another asset to consider is privacy. And one of the special things about our home is that they're ours. They're our little slice of our world where we can get away from it all, we can be ourselves, and we can relax and restore. So it stands to reason that it's important that we ensure our little slice of our world maintains its privacy and that we get to control who gets in and who can see in. So how can you enhance the privacy of your home to make it feel great, especially when everything that I've been sharing so far is about how to open it up and connect with outside and connect with the sunlight and the shade and the breezes and the landscape and the views? There's a few things to think about here. And again, I'll share these in more detail in episode 11, where I'll talk about indoor-outdoor connections. But I want you just to have a think about these three main areas of privacy to target for your home. So the first area to look at is overlooking from neighbours. In suburban areas, and depending on the density of where you live, you'll ideally want to prevent your neighbours from being able to look into the indoor and outdoor areas of your home. So when you're thinking about capturing the views out, have a look at what you can do to block views coming in. This will be particularly relevant for adjacent neighbours, for the neighbours right next door to you, but it can also be relevant for neighbours that live behind you as well. And you can achieve this privacy with the placement of your windows and doors. You can also add privacy screens uh, or fins to break view lines. And some councils will actually require you to add privacy screens if your windows are a certain distance away from your boundary or from a next door neighbour. And another thing that you can do is that you can obscure the glass. So you can choose a semi-transparent glass that still allows light through, but it obscures any views in. 
Another thing that you can do is you can add internal window furnishings. The next thing to have a look at is privacy from the straight. Now, this one is a tricky one because you actually do want to be able to see the street. You want your home to look like it's looking at the street. This is for a few reasons. It's so that people know where to enter your home and uh, they can obviously see where the front door is and they don't just sort of go aimlessly wandering around your front garden looking for it. They also need to feel like they can't just wander onto your property without being noticed and that helps keep your home secure and safe. So when we have homes that actually don't interact with the street at all, it's proven to make our streets and our public zones less safe. The homes and occupants in it, they can provide a what's known as natural surveillance of public areas and that in turn helps keep our streets and our public zones more safe. Now, I'm not talking about the elderly lady down the end of the street who knows every single thing that happens in your street, although she can actually be handy sometimes. What I'm talking about is the general design of homes so that by virtue of the way that they look, that they actually look like they have an eye on the street. You obviously, though, want to stop passers-by and cars from being able to get a clear look into your home, particularly if all of your living areas are on the rear of your house and you've got more private areas such as bedrooms on the front of your home. So have a think about how you'll maintain privacy from the street into your home and what you can do without shutting your home completely down to the street. Thirdly is having a look at privacy within your home. And this may sound strange, but some areas of your home will be more private than others. Okay, especially when you've got friends and guests over, because there may be parts of your home that you don't want them necessarily wandering around unaccompanied. So think about the planning of your home to help this. How do you need to group rooms so that their use works in association with each other? For example, you know, having a guest toilet that is near the main living areas of your home and the outdoor living areas of your home can mean that guests can go to the loo without having to walk past all of your messy kids' bedrooms or use your family bathroom. Locating the family bathroom near the kids' bedrooms means that you won't have kids doing nudie dashes with wet towels and wet feet sort of through the main areas of your home. There's a few things like this in terms of how your home can function. Just think about what areas need to be located next to each other to work overall for your home and your lifestyle. Okay, so that's it as an introduction to natural assets. Of course, I'm sure once you get started, you can start thinking about a lot more for your home and for where it's located and what you're going to need to do to make the most of it for your place. So those assets again are sunlight, shade, breezes, landscape, views and privacy understand these assets and drawbacks for your site and then maximise them or minimise them in the design of your renovation or your new home. Remember, getting this stuff right, this is the stuff that adds value for free because this is what's already on your site and in your home. And if you can unlock the potential of it in your design, it seriously adds so much value to your home, both financial value and in lifestyle. This is what will help you create a home that's enjoyable to live in and that works. Now, remember to head to the show notes or to the website at www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash episode seven, number seven dash assets. Okay. But that link will be in the show notes. I'll have more information there about this podcast and some helpful links for you to the other resources that I've mentioned. I'll see you there. Thank you so much for joining me here at Get It Right with Undercover Architect. 
Now, if you've enjoyed listening, please head to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. That way you'll be the first to know about new episodes and you'll also help others like you find out about this podcast. And to be honest, who doesn't need help when it comes to renovating and building? If you have friends or family planning their future homes, please share this podcast with them too. Remember to head to the Undercover Architect website at www.undercoverarchitect.com. There you can see more information on podcast topics and you can learn lots more about how to get it right. You can also access downloadable freebies, plus learn more about my online program and one-to-one services. This has been Amelia Lee, the Undercover Architect. Thank you so much for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Looking forward to next time. Bye. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Papa.